This is Mike Brake, and I'm the pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. I want to say thank you for stopping by our podcast today. We really do believe that you're only one step away from the relationship with God that you've been wanting. So I hope the message today gives you encouragement, gives you some vision so that you can take that next step towards freedom. Enjoy the message. So today we are starting a brand new series called Dealing with Difficult People. Like Los Alamos doesn't have any difficult people uh, to, to deal with. Like those people who are like the atomic weight of cobalt is 5.8 or something like that. And you may, like if you know the answer to that, like you shouldn't, or I, I have no idea. But you know, we have those difficult people in life. Difficult people in your home. You know, those people, you gotta, you gotta make them breakfast in the morning. You gotta get their clothes ready and, and get them ready and send them out the door. And then at night, you gotta tuck them in uh, to bed at night. And, and ladies, that's just your spouse, your husband. You know, then you gotta deal with the kids on, on top of that. We have difficult people in our lives. Uh, how do we deal with them? Because you're going to have to deal with them. And, and Scripture, as we look over for the next uh, four weeks, has some things to say on how we're going to deal with difficult people. Um, and Jesus, said, he said it like this. He said in Matthew chapter 5, you've heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That was kind of a man-made rule that they had just kind of known in culture. He's like, hey, you know it. And they're like, yeah, we do. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Jesus flips that. He says, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That is super easy to read. I wish that verse was not in Bible. In the Bible, I'm a pastor, and there's some verses I'm like, Jesus, why did you have to say that one? Because that would be so easy if you, you didn't, but he did. Now we have to, if you're a Christian, you have to wrestle with this one. He doesn't just say, deal with your enemies. He says, love them, pray for them. He goes on to say, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even the corrupt tax collectors do that much. Hey, even the politicians in Washington, D.C. know how to love the people in their own party like they get it, right? If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. We've talked plenty over the past three weeks in our Love Los Alamos series. People ask the question, how is Freedom Church any different from any other church in Los Alamos? It will be in how we love the people around us, how we deal with our relationships. So we're going to be talking next week. We're going to talk about how do you deal with the critical people in your life, where their words are just toxic. In week three, we're going to talk about how do you deal with the hypocritical people in your, in your life, the ones that they drive you crazy because they don't line up. And then in week four, we're going to talk about the most difficult person you know. And I'm not going to tell you who that is yet, but don't point to the people next to you either. That's not nice. Pointing is not nice. Today, um, I never thought I'd do a sermon on this, but it's, it's relevant. And we're going to be talking about people who are addicted to their phone, people who are, have a screen in front of their face seemingly at all times. They're plugged into a video game. They're plugged into their laptop. They got their phone. We have these devices, and we are tethered to these things. How do we deal with someone who has this um, in, their, in, 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 in sight all the time? And just know for me as a pastor, like I'm going to leverage technology all the time. 
we, like, I'm not against technology. We will use it. One day, I hope we, we have a, a full-time online pastor because I believe that's the front door to the church. Many of you, you've checked out Freedom Church, and now you are here, and a large majority of you, you saw it either on social media first or you saw a website. You, you, that was the front door to the church, so we will leverage that as much as possible. When a quarter of the population of the globe has a Facebook account and we are called to, to get the message of the gospel out to the world, we are not going to say, don't use it. We're going to leverage it. But we have to recognize the, the, the negative consequences, the unintentional impacts that these devices can have in our lives. I heard a lady at the gym the other day. Um, I'm not trying to listen to people when I go to the gym. Like when I go to the gym, it is not social hour for me. I go to work my tail off. But other people, they go for, for social hour. And so I'm running on the treadmill. There's a group of ladies, and they're power walking uh, together on the treadmill. I don't know what power walking actually accomplishes, but that's a different, uh, I'm not, anyway. Um, but they're talking. And their one lady was like, I haven't used social media for 30 days. I deleted all my accounts. Well, not Facebook, because you can't really delete your Facebook account. Like, it's always there. But, and everybody was like, oh, that's so wonderful. That's so great. Like, they acknowledged that they, this thing was having some sort of negative impact on her life. And so she had gotten rid of it. And for a lot of us, we can, we can see it can impact the, our work, our progress at work. You can see it amongst your, your coworkers. It, it can affect your relationships at, at home can cause stress, can cause anxiety, can cause depression. Can, we can be more connected than ever before right now. The average uh, Facebook user has 320 some odd friends, but a lot of us feel more lonely than ever. Like we have zero close friends. And so we got to acknowledge that while we may approach this topic casually, oh, it's no big deal, oh, it's no big deal. We do need to recognize that this thing has a ton of power and influence in our lives. I like what Kerry Newhoff said. He said this. He says, social media, social media is a great servant. Oh, but it is a horrible, horrible master in our lives. So I want to ask you a question. How many of you know, like without, you already know a difficult person who is on their phone all the time. Raise your hand if you know somebody. Don't point, but raise your hand. Do you know someone who's like, maybe, maybe not every day, but a lot of time they're on their phone, they're in a video game or something like that. You know, okay, some of us. How many of you, okay, let's be honest, let's be honest. How many of you would say, the, for you, the first thing you do in the morning and the last thing that you do in, uh, in the day typically is to pick up a device? Um, be honest, be honest, we're in church, okay, 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 okay. So for a lot of us in this room, this affects us all. We know people who are struggling with this. Maybe some of us, we deal with some of this as well. How do we, how do we deal with it? What do we say? How do we confront people um, and deal with that? So today I want to talk about a little bit. I want to talk about the problem. I want to talk about how do we confront them, and then how do we potentially confront ourselves as well. Um, there's a word called nomophobia. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Nomophobia. It is the fear of not being connected to your phone. I have nomophobia. If I, if I, I go, I may be able to give it away, but if you lose your cell phone, what? You are freaking out. Where is my phone? I don't know. Ah, and you will spend all day stressing nomophobia. 
There's some stats that say uh, 58% of people don't go one waking hour without checking their phone. 59% check email as it comes in. 89% check email daily on vacation. Boo, yeah, yeah, yeah. 80% of teenagers sleep with their phones. And 34% admitted to answering their cell phone during intimate times together. Come on, people, come on, come on. So I just, this isn't scientific. I just created my own top seven ways to know you might be addicted to your phone. Number seven, you have an app on addiction on your phone that warns you if you're an addict. And you can say, hey, I'm not, I'm not addicted to my thing because the app that would tell me I'm an addict says I'm not an addict, I'm good. Just, just might be addicted. Number six, you might be addicted if your pet has its own Instagram page. Who, who am I preaching to? Anybody? Anybody? The White Rock. Rock has its own Instagram page. Did you know this? Did you know this? All right, number five. You have serious concerns about how you will spend your free time in heaven. Like, I, I don't know what I'm, I, am, am I going to have a phone? Some of you guys, you're asking that question right now. Will we have a phone in heaven? I don't know. Number four, you catch yourself scrolling Facebook on your phone and on the computer at the same time. Like, I don't, I don't understand, but you're making sure that everything lines up. Um, it's weird. It's weird. But number three, you look forward to going to the bathroom so you can get to the next level on your favorite game. Number two, going to said bathroom, your legs then fall asleep while sitting on the toilet playing your favorite game. You just might be addicted. And number one, you might be addicted if you use hashtags in face-to-face -face conversations. Gentlemen, if Valentine's Day is coming and your idea for getting in the mood is like to uh, go to your wife and say, hey, hashtag, are you in the mood? And you think that's going to work on Valentine's Day, uh, she's going to say, hashtag headache, <laughs> hashtag get a life, hashtag stop using hashtags. What do we do? What do we say when the default mode for so many, when there's, when, when there's nothing to do, our default mode is to pick up a device, click the button, and click and scroll and click and scroll and click and scroll. Well, we're going to confront, and we're going to uh, speak up and deal with this. If you have uh, your, your Bible with you, it'll be on the screens as well. If you're taking notes, um, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should, re should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And we've talked about that, the law of Christ, the past three weeks. What's the law of Christ? He summed it all up in one rule. He said, love one another as I have loved you. You want to know what the rules are for Freedom Church? There's one. Love. Love people as Christ loved you. That's the law of Christ. He says one of the ways you're going to do that is through confronting and, and carrying one another's burdens. So if you're taking notes, number one, we're going to confront, but we're going to confront gently. Confront gently. And two things come to my mind with this. One is tone and timing. It's not so much what you say, 
but how you say it. Let me say that again. It's not so much what you say, but how you say it. Get off your phone. What are you doing? You're always in the screen. What are you doing? Okay. Critical, condescending, nagging. We will talk about you next week on how to deal with the difficult people. Timing and, and tone. You want to come up, you, you, love and respect. When you talk with people, you want to treat them with love and respect. So you may come, you, hey, you may even be right in what you say, but still be wrong in how you come across. And what we're looking for in this is not I win and you lose, but we want win-win for everyone else, which is why it comes down to timing. Okay, so in the moment, in the moment, someone's on their phone. You're having a conversation with a friend, and all of a sudden they just get distracted or something, and they're texting, and you're like, what in the world is going on? Or your kid's on a video game, or, or kids, you're trying to talk to your parents, and they're distracted or whatever. What, in the moment, you have some options. You can be silent. You can just kind of hold your ground until they wake up and get out of their trance. Sometimes that may not even happen. You could just say, hey, what are you looking at? What are you doing? And that snaps them out of it. And you could maybe have a conversation about that. You could just ask a question. Hey, what would you do today at school today? What would you, you do at work today? And, and again, just trying to get them out of that. But quite honestly, that's not going to get you what you want, right? You're dealing with a difficult person who may or may not have an addiction to this thing. But in the moment, it's not really going to solve anything might get their attention or whatever. So what you really want is to work on timing. So you're going to have to get on their radar. You're not on their radar, right? Their screen is on their radar. So this is going to have to circle around to a, a different time where you can get on their schedule. And you'll, you can actually, your tone can come across as, as loving and as patient and as compassionate as you want to. Because many of us, when we're in the moment... When we're in the moment, we're in the tree level thing. And our emotions are up. And emotions are stupid. They do not get you where you want to go. And so timing's going to take you back a little bit to not be amongst the trees, but to get, what, a forest level view. And I like when Rita, when she preached on anger last semester, and she did a phenomenal job t preaching about how we deal with anger. But one of the things that's most practical to me in that, she said, do this. <sighs> breathe. There's some science behind that that I can't remember that just get the blood flow and everything just getting you calmed down. But taking some time to say, okay, we're going to circle back to this later when I'm not in the trees and we can have a conversation about this at a forest level, which leads us to the second thing. It says, restore the person gently. But we're going to confront with the goal of restoration. So in the moment, probably not much restoration is going to happen there. And so we're going to confront with the goal of restoration. That's probably going to happen sometime later when we can have a more meaningful conversation. That word restore in Scripture says to repair. The, the Greek definition of that, to repair, to make better than new. The, they would use it in the terms for doctors setting a bone that was broken. Or it was used also for fishermen who were mending their nets, which would indicate that this type of word restore was a process. 
Not a one-time conversation, but a process. It was going to take some time, maybe multiple conversations over time. So we're going to confront with the goal of restoration. We're going to confront gently. But what is your goal? you got to ask the question, if you're taking notes, ask the question when you're trying to confront with the goal of restoration, what are you even shooting for? What does restoration look like for you? You're like, I got that, that's easy. Get them off their device, have them change, get the screens away like it's easy. They change. How's that working with your spouse? That's, you can't make anyone change. You can't force anybody to, to, to change. So that's, I would say, I would argue and say that's not a good goal. You change. No. What's your goal? Think about it. Get a, get a forest level view. Back up a little bit. What is your goal? Why is this so annoying to you? I would say for a lot of us, the goal is I want to connect with that person. I want to connect with you. <laughs> Dig deeper under that. What does connect mean to you? Because that can mean something different to everybody. Connect may mean, you know what? I want to talk more. I want to have more, more face-to-face conversation, deeper conversation. For some of you, it may not be so much about talking. It's just about presence. Can we have some more quality time? Like, I want to have dinner together, face-to-face, just being next to one another. We're in the same room together, but we are not connected. What? Does, what is your goal? What does that mean? It can mean different things to you. You need to take a step back and determine that for you before you ever say a word to them. Figure out what is your goal in restoration. Second, create a safe environment. Create a safe environment. Listen, let me just say something. If you're the one being confronted, because okay, I'm, I'm just going to admit, I'm the worst. This, this has been so hard to, to prep and now preach this message because as your pastor, can I, can I be a flawed pastor? It's a rhetorical question. Yes, I can. All right. <laughs> I'm flawed. I struggle with this. And I get confronted on this. If you're the one being confronted, you're going to be flustered. You're in the trees. All right. No, I don't want to talk to you. I'm, this cat video is like super amazing right now. You know, it's funny. All right. You're, you're flustered. Like, but at the same time, you know, kind of in your core, you're like, ah, you know, the kid's going, dad, 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 dad. Can we talk? Can we talk? I'm like, I'm on the phone. But you know, okay, okay. There's something better. If you're being confronted, just know somebody wants your attention. And that's a compliment. Let me say that again. If you're being confronted on this, somebody, there's somebody on this planet who wants your attention, who wants your presence. That's a compliment. You may be flustered, but that's a compliment. Work with that. Work with that. But then you want to have a safe environment. What do I mean by that? If they don't feel safe, if the person who you are confronting does not feel safe, they ain't going to open up and they ain't going to talk. And, and the idea of restoration is going to be struggling. I'll give you an example. It's not related to technology, but my son, who I love, said to me a couple weeks ago, Dad, Dad, yeah, why are you so angry every morning getting ready for school? Now, I'm in the, I'm in the tree level, okay, at this point, and I'm defensive. I said, okay, well, 
You want to know why I'm angry? Let's see. Well, we have a fight about getting dressed. We have a fight about uh, eating your food. We have a fight about getting your backpack on, about brushing your teeth. Um, like the list could go on. Like you tell me why I'm angry every single morning. You know, God got a hold of me in that moment. Just I never hear him, but you just feel it in your soul. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. Your son, whom you love, who you want to have, let's think, let's think long game here, long game. Want a close relationship. I want him to be able to have some tough conversations with me, especially when he's a teenager. I don't want to have a closed off conversation. I am shutting him down at age six. I'm 38, he's six. I can't handle this. I'm shutting him down and he's saying, it's not safe to talk to my dad about certain things. So I stopped, I said, okay. I don't want to hear this, but tell me, what do you see in me? I want to have these conversations. Tell me, you're not in trouble. You're not in trouble. Tell me. I don't want to, I don't want to hear it, but you tell me, and I'm going to work on it. We got to create a safe environment where they are okay to open up. If they don't feel safe, they ain't going to talk. Because you want them to open up, which is the third thing, create understanding. You're, you're, you're trying to gain understanding. Why is this so appealing to them? Why do they always feel the need to go to the room and turn on the Xbox and play Fortnite all night long? Why do they feel the need to watch hours and hours and hours of YouTube video? You don't know why. And you're trying to create a safe environment where you can gain some understanding as to what's triggering that. And if they can feel safe to open up, they might say some stuff that, hey, I go to my room and I shut the door because you're always asking me critical questions. You're always nagging on me. You're always asking this. And you, you're, you're like, whoa, 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 I don't want to hear that. I'm in the trees. But they might be, have a valid point. As the, as the grown-up in the room, you, you need to know, they might have some validity to what they're saying that you need to inter internalize. But I've known some teenager, teenagers that are like, you know what, I don't have any friends at school. But when I go and play Fortnite, and I know we're not all in the same room together, we bond, and we, we socialize, and that's my community. You might, you might know someone else, a friend, or your, or your spouse, or someone, and they start talking, you know what, they're like, I don't, I honestly, I don't know what to do. Like, I get on this thing, and it's like this vicious cycle where I, I click and I don't, I just click and I scroll and I click and I scroll and I click and I scroll and I get in this cycle of Instagram, Facebook, Instagram, Facebook, Instagram, Facebook, email, Instagram, Facebook, Fox News, Instagram, Facebook. An hour and a half has gone by. I, I need help. You want to you wanna know what is your goal? You want to create a safe environment for them to be able to talk? So you can then gain some understanding as to why this is appealing. And then once you have that, once they know you care, because you're not trying to point fingers, but create a goal of restoration to create some understanding, then you can start working on, hey, how can we, we set some expectations together? What are some, what are some expectations that we can set? And for everybody, this is going to be different. But I figure, 
um, we might as well get a little bit of practicality. So I have a defensive strategy and an offensive strategy. I hated that, that football game last week. It was so terrible, but you know what? Anyone who knows football, they're like, those defensive coordinators came in with an amazing game plan. An amazing game plan, and they took it to task. And, and so if you're a, a football, like you love the art of it and everything, it was a beautiful game. So let's have a defensive strategy when it comes. And so you might have others. I just wrote some down. One, no, no, meal, no phone during mealtime. Just get rid of the phone during mealtime. Another one for teenagers, hey, 80% of you sleep with your phone in your room. Set a rule, no phone in the room. Parents, maybe that's for you, no phone in the room. I know one for me that I've started this week, and it's been huge getting the phone in another room. They say just the presence of the phone in the room. Doesn't have to be in your pocket. Just the presence in the room triggers your brain to say, hey, there there's might be a beep. There might be an alert. There might be a text. There might be an email. It's just there. And so fortunately for us, we live on a two-story um, apartment. And so most of our time is spent downstairs, our bedrooms upstairs. I took the phone in the afternoon when the boys are there, and I put it up in the, in the, in the second floor. And I forget that it's even there. It's, a, it's been so huge this week. So getting it in another room. Putting it on do not disturb for the first hour and the last hour of the day. So maybe it is in your room for an alarm clock, but you put it on do not disturb for the first and last hour of the day, so you're not getting those messages. No social media on vacation. Just enjoy the, the beauty and the time together on vacation. And then if it's, if it's uh, something maybe you really need to do, take a, take a month off. Take a month off. Create some sort of defensive strategy. It's going to be different for everyone in this. May, and then there's an offensive strategy. Go scriptural before you go digital. Get in God's word. Go scriptural before you go digital. Doesn't have to be long. Could be a verse. Could be several verses. Could be 10 minutes. What? Get in God's word before you go and get on your phone. Practice solitude. Five minutes a day. Just solitude. Maybe that means you got to wake up five minutes earlier so you can just get some time alone. And, and, or maybe you have to like lock yourself or hide somewhere in a closet or something to get away from the kids to find a minute of solitude before they find you. But find some solitude where you can clear your space in your brain and just think. Prayer time. Prayer time. We might be so stressed with anxiety. And we're trying to handle everything on our own and we're worrying and we're thinking and our brain never shuts down and we never take our prayers to God. We never give God thanks, and yet we still, our wheels are spinning. Go outside. <laughs> Just get outdoors, and when the sunset is beautiful, no pictures. Just worship. Just, just enjoy the moment and the scenery without a camera. Now, I'm a huge, I love photography, okay? I, for me, that is some worship in there. Again, I'm going to leverage this, but if this is an issue... Just enjoy some, some, the beauty of nature. I don't know what your strategy is, but work together with the people in your household to create some expectations. Once you have a safe environment, once you've, you have uh, under, communicated that you care, then set some expectations. And probably the most important thing of all of this today, 
You're going to confront with, with the goal. We are going to confront gently, confront with the goal of restoration, but you are going to confront with humility. The next verse says, watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. That word watch yourselves, or that phrase means literally translated, each one look into yourself. Each one look into yourself. And you might be thinking, um, oh, well, I'm not tempted with the same thing that they're tempted about, but it doesn't really say that you're going to be tempted with the same thing. I would say for a lot of Christians, the temptation isn't maybe necessarily the same sin or same issue they're dealing with. The temptation is pride. Look at them. How could they do that? Look what they're struggling. I can't. Why would they ever do that? He said, no, 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 no. Confront with humility. Look into yourself. Jesus said it like this. He said, who are you to look at your friend and see the little speck of dust in their eye? Hey, you got a giant log in yours. Like, hypocrite is what he says. He says, first, look into yourself. Deal and confront yourself. Like, we are liars to ourselves. You know this, right? We like to live in denial of the things that we struggle with. We can be difficult at times to deal with. And he's saying, no, you have to confront Yourself, And so for a lot of us in this room, we might be saying, no, 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 I don't know. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's just a phone. It's just technology. It's not really. Call it what it is. For some of you in this room, you need to call it what it is and just say, you know what? This is hurting my marriage. Like we're okay, but this is a thing that is an obstacle that is causing some stress and anxiety in our marriage. This is something that's causing me to lose productivity at work. This is something that is causing me to miss my kids. I mean, nothing's going to ruin a moment faster when you've got the kids doing something. You're like, oh, let's take a, you know, someone whipping out a phone and we ruin them all. Hey, get in here. Get in here. Let's take a picture. Get in here. Take a picture. We're like, ah, oh, get in. Smile. Everybody smile. And then you take 72 pictures and try to post the right one with the right words and the right filter and it's straining our relationships. Get out of denial. Call this thing what it is and saying, this is causing some stress in my life. This is taking up too much time in my life. It's a great servant, a horrible, horrible master. And scripture says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Even though I am allowed to do anything, you're free to do anything, but I must not become a slave to anything. And I know from myself, just speaking to myself, I'm sick and tired of my inability to control this thing. I don't want to be a slave to the screen anymore in my life. And I will use it to leverage it for good, to be a blessing to others. But I, I want to recognize the power of face to face. I want to love people face to face, not just thumb to thumb. And since I'm married and it's Valentine, I can, hey, I can love people belly button to belly button. Hmm? <laughs> Front to back, upside down. Like, okay, hashtag too far, hashtag get a life, hashtag sh she's saying headache. Um, I don't want this screen to be my master. I've got to confront myself humbly and say, I struggle with this. I need to set some boundaries 
because I want to love the people around me. I don't want to just say it. I want to put it into actions. And this is the gospel. This is what Jesus did for us. It says this in um, 1 John 3.18. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. See, at the end of life, it's not going to matter how many likes you got. Oh, if I would have got three more likes. Oh, I got, the, I got 200 likes. Like, perfect. Yes. Ooh. It's not going to matter how many likes you got. What's going to matter is how much love you showed to the people around you. And that's what Jesus did. He didn't just show his love or shout his love from heaven. He came in the person of Jesus Christ and he came to this earth and he showed his love through his actions. His motivation for coming here was love. He loves you. He loves your spouse. He loves your kids. He loves your coworkers. He loves Los Alamos. His motivation for coming was love. He came humbly. He didn't come pointing fingers, accusing everyone. Instead of pointing fingers, he raised his hands in surrender. Why? Because his goal, Freedom Church, was restoration. His goal was a relationship with everyone. And he did not stay dead on a cross. He did die. But he gave power and victory to everyone when he rose from the grave a few days later. He didn't just say his actions or his love. He showed it through his actions. And that, my friends, is the number one thing that you have for, for any of us here. You could get all the technology stuff right. You could get your career and your success right. You could have the best marriage. You could have a great Valentine's Day date. But if you don't have it with Jesus, if you don't have Jesus in your life, if you do this life without Jesus, you're missing out on the most important aspect of life. He loves you. For some of you, he's calling out to you today. He's not trying to shame you, saying, oh, look at your technology. He loves you. He's trying to set you free. So with that, can we stand? Can we stand? Thank you again for listening to the podcast at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. A few next steps that you can take coming out of this. One is head to our website and let us know just exactly how we can help you take your next step. Also, if we have had a positive impact in your life or in your family and you want to partner with us financially, you can go to our website and click give. That will get the message out so we can impact more people through this ministry. And finally, click the subscribe button. That way you know you get the latest content from the podcast as well as rate it, review it. That will help get the message out to others. Hope you have a a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening.